Can the Seattle Seahawks pull off the upset in Dallas in week 13? All that and more in this crossover edition of the Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This Crossover Thursday episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code LOCKEDONNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today from Locked on Seahawks is Corbin Smith. Go check him out on threads at Corbin Smith NFL. We're going to be previewing the Seahawks-Cowboys Thursday night football matchup uh, on this show. But let's start with the biggest storylines for each team. Corbin, what do you got for us for the Seahawks? It all boils down to the trenches. The Seahawks have had eight different offensive line combinations to start games in 11 games, and they have not had their full starting lineup since week one. It's looking like Abraham Lucas, their starting right tackle, is finally going to be back. He's been an injured reserve since that season opener with a mysterious knee issue. Pete Carroll said it wasn't an injury, but he had an injection, and he has been out for more than two months. But he's been practicing the last couple of weeks. Carroll said yesterday that he's looking really good. He's on schedule. So that tells me, barring some unforeseen setback, that he's going to be back in the lineup. And the real question is, how much does his return – serve as a catalyst for this struggling offense. I mean, they have scored three touchdowns on offense in the last four games combined. And with the talent that they have at the quarterback and skill positions, this is a team that should be able to score a lot more points. So how much does his return impact that and maybe open the playbook up a little bit by improving their pass protection and their run blocking? The run game has been very hit and miss. That's the nicest way to put it this year. But if Abraham Lucas is healthy in this game, especially against this Cowboys team, they need to be all hands on deck dealing with Micah Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence and company. If he's able to come back in the lineup on Thursday and he doesn't show much rust, plays well, that I think has a chance to be a difference maker that does work in Seattle's favor in a game where they understandably are nine-point underdogs to a Cowboys team that quite frankly has been playing 10 times better than them the last month. The Cowboys have had a lot of success against bad offensive lines this year. I mean, they just they throw things at these offensive lines that they just can't handle. What I'm curious to, to hear, Corbin, is what is the state of the interior offensive line looks like? Because I know Phil Haynes, uh, the right guard, he's mispracticed the last couple of days. What is his status and what does the rest of the interior offensive line look like going into this matchup? So the Seahawks should be close to full strength there. The argument. But if Phil Haynes can't play, that the Seahawks might have the better offensive line playing on Thursday night. Because Anthony Bradford, the rookie out of LSU, has started three games this year. And I feel like he's actually played better than what Phil Haynes has overall. Haynes has been a little better in pass protection. But from a run-blocking standpoint, it's been night and day. Anthony Bradford has been much better at moving people off the line of scrimmage. He actually had some success in their preseason game. I know it was a preseason game against the Cowboys, but he was going up against Mozzie Smith in that game, and he had some success 
with some nice run blocks in that game. So I actually wonder if the Seahawks, it might be better if he ends up being the one that starts in this game and Phil Haynes is out with a toe injury, but they'll have Damian Lewis. They'll have Evan Brown. Both those guys are healthy. Does that mean that this is a good interior offensive line? That is very much up for debate, but they will at least be close to full strength and maybe a little bit better upgraded having the rookie in the lineup instead of Phil Haynes. And on the Cowboys side of things, the biggest story right now is Dak Prescott, who I don't want to say is an MVP favorite, but according to our friends at FanDuel, that those odds have started to creep up a little bit where he's now inside of the top five. We had Aaron Rodgers this week just have a bunch of glowing praise about Prescott. Can he keep it up against a defense that has a lot of really good players, including Jamal Adams, Devin Witherspoon, who is easily the best rookie cornerback this year. Uh, we'll see. The Cowboys have been absolutely fantastic at home this year. I believe their margin of victory at home is 26 points on average. That's 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 not too bad, right? Like they're pretty good at home, but this is the best team that they played at home all season long. Can they keep it up against the Seahawks? I don't know. I, Corbin, I want to know, how do you feel as a Seahawks fan going up against this Cowboys offense what are, what's kind of your gut feelings going into this game? We talked about it on our Tuesday episode of Locked on Seahawks. There's a very interesting storyline here that I don't think is going to get much attention outside of what we've given it on Locked on Seahawks. But the Seahawks fired Brian Schottenheimer after the 2020 season. And per my sources, and I wrote an article about this last year, Russell Wilson was pulling those strings behind the scenes. And Pete Carroll went with his quarterback instead of, his offensive coordinator. And we know what happened a year later, Russell Wilson's going to Denver. So now both of them are gone and they hired Shane Waldron and the results have been very hit and miss with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator this year, much more miss than hit. It's been a struggle for them. They have the worst third down offense, in the NFL, both in the third quarter and fourth quarter. They've just been awful in the second half of games. And a lot of that I think is on the play calling at this point, but Brian Schottenheimer is leading the number one offense in the entire NFL. And you mentioned Dak Prescott. I'm not afraid to say it. He's my MVP right now. And I think a big reason for that, Brian Schottenheimer becoming the offensive coordinator, Russell Wilson had some of his best seasons with Schottenheimer. The guy is a fantastic quarterback coach. I think he's a very underrated play caller. And you can't tell me he isn't going to be looking out for blood going to this matchup against a team that he feels like wrongly fired him. And I would agree with that. They were the eighth best scoring offense in the league the year they fired him. He was mm. top eight all three seasons as Seattle's offensive coordinator. And so I think there's going to be some extra incentive for him going into this game with that number one offense. I didn't even think about this. A little bit of a revenge game for uh, Brian Schottenheimer. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I do want to note really quickly on the secondary for Seattle because you look at it on paper, it looks like it should be really good, but it seems like Rick Wollum maybe was benched against the 49ers. We had an old friend, Michael Jackson, who was a fourth-round pick by the Cowboys several years ago playing in that game. What's the state of the Seahawks secondary going into this one? The secondary has been a strength for this team since Witherspoon was able to return in week two. They struggled against the Rams in the season opener without him, but Woolen has had a very up and down season. This has not been his rookie year. He does have a couple picks. It seemed like he was trending in the right direction, getting back to playing at that level. And then last week, missed a couple tackles, and that's putting it nicely. I mean, he just didn't look interested in making plays in the run game, and the 49ers attacked him 
Pete Carroll decided, you know what, your shoulder's bothering you. We're going to pull you out. At least that's what Carroll said. Mm-hmm. I think it was a benching. That's my opinion. I think it was a statement to Reek Woolen. You're not going to play if you're not going to be willing to come up and make tackles. And Mike Jackson, we believe, is, is more than willing to do that. He's a physical player. So Woolen is going to start in this game on Thursday night. But Mike Jackson is going to be waiting the wings. If the wake-up call has not been taken, then Mike Jackson could very well play against the team that drafted him in this game. All right, let's talk about some of the, the matchups that we are the most excited to see on Thursday. We will get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. All you have to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is the most fun that I've had playing DFS this uh, football season. I love how many different players that you can choose from and how many different stats, uh, stat projections that are out there. It's absolutely fantastic. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Welcome back to this crossover edition of the Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Seahawks podcast. We wanted to let you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Corbin, let's talk about some matchups that we are excited to see. What do you got? Yeah, you know, it's easy to point to the trenches in this matchup. I think the Cowboys have an advantage on both sides of the ball. Maybe that already speaks to what is going to happen on the scoreboard in this game, but I got to look at the outside, and I am extremely excited to see C.D. Lamb going up against Devin Witherspoon. You're talking about one of the most prolific receivers who plays a lot of his snaps in the slot against Devin Witherspoon, who – I already think is the best player on Seattle's defense as a rookie. Uh, He's a phenomenal talent. There's been some missed plays. He's a rookie. You're going to have some mistakes, but there's also been every game eye popping highlight reel plays that he makes. And he's so instinctive and physical beyond belief. I don't know. There's a more physical quarter in the NFL right now. The guy just comes up and sticks people. So those two going against each other. If Devin Witherspoon is able to find a way to not lock down CeeDee Lamb, because you're not going to be able to do that. But Jamar Chase, he held you only a couple receptions against him earlier this season. If he can have that kind of success against CeeDee Lamb and force the Cowboys' secondary targets to beat them, 
then I think Seattle improves their chances of winning this game significantly. If Lamb has the advantage there and ends up turning Witherspoon into Lamb Chops, then we are going to see a game that could be a blowout just as the other games the Seahawks have played against upper echelon teams have been to this point. So that is certainly a matchup for Seattle defensively that I'm interested to see. For the Cowboys on offense, where do you see the biggest advantage going up against the Seahawks defense? Well, I'm actually glad that you brought this one up. So because when we were doing our preview show on Wednesday on Lawton Cowboys, we were looking at who's going to play in the slot. And my question to you is, does Witherspoon travel into the slot against some of the best slot receivers in the league? He has been. Yeah, this is totally yeah. different. That Pete Carroll has never let corners travel, but Devin Witherspoon has been to that outside inside combo corner because he's just that special. So Pete yeah. Carroll's been willing to actually rewrite his rules a little bit and let him do that. So that's notable because t- typically when the Cowboys have played teams that don't have their corners travel into the slot, it's just one of those days they just feed CD Lamb over and over again. Now, if it is Witherspoon, I don't think Dak is going to shy away from throwing to his number one receiver, but maybe there's another matchup out there that they'll exploit. And to me, Corbin, it's the linebackers. Uh, Bobby Wagner, still a fantastic player, but I do wonder if Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and Brian Schottenheimer are going to attack those linebackers in coverage. We've seen the Cowboys do a bunch of crossing plays, uh, a bunch of things. They try to get players onto the move. How have those Seahawks linebackers held up in coverage this season? You know, you look at the statistics and it'll point to a picture that the linebackers have struggled. But honestly, I felt like Bobby Wagner most of this year, there's been a few games where his diminished athleticism has plagued him a little bit in coverage, but most of it's been assignment based. The Seahawks just put him in tough spots, but he has had a really solid season in that regard. Jordan Brooks has been much more of a mixed bag. He's been excellent against the run. He had a pick six against the 49ers where he was in the right place at the right time. But his coverage has been a little bit more up in the air, a little bit more inconsistent than what Bobby Wagner's been. But that is certainly a matchup that I'm looking at. But if they can get Tony Pollard involved in the passing game and get him lined up against those linebackers, that was something that concerned me with Christian McCaffrey last week. I don't think Tony Pollard is Christian McCaffrey, but he is more than capable of doing damage as a receiver. So that would be where I'd be most concerned. If Brian Schottenheimer's smart, getting those running backs, finding ways to scheme them against the linebackers, that would be a concern for me. All right, I want to switch over to the other side of the ball. And I've, here, here's the truth. I kind of went all out in my fantasy leagues of the Seahawks team. I grabbed Geno, I grabbed DK Metcalf, I grabbed Jackson Smith, the jib. I just thought this offense was going to take off. So I've had the opportunity to watch a bunch of Seahawks games this year. Am I right for feeling a little bit disappointed in DK Metcalf? I, I thought he was going to have a better year, but you watch some of these games and it's just the Bengals game stands out. Like gets really, he was frustrated against the 49ers. He dropped a key pass earlier in the game. What's going on with DK Metcalf? I feel like Metcalf, it's been a very inconsistent season. And I know that I've used that word multiple times already, but that is what this offense has been. It has been textbook inconsistent from the quarterback to the run game, to the offensive line, to the receivers. Everybody has struggled to get in a consistent rhythm. And that has included Metcalf. He had two of his best games in the last three weeks with almost 100 receiving yards in two of those games. 49ers game, not quite as much production. He did have that big drop. And he also had a deep ball that I felt like he should have reined in and didn't get his feet down in bounds. I thought that Geno made a good enough throw there. So, yeah, he has not lived up to his contract this year. That would be my 
uh, assessment. I feel like he's been good, but not great the way that they are paying him. And Tyler Lockett has kind of been hit and miss for his standards this year. But I think that more boils down to the play calling. I'm going to keep bringing that up. I feel like the Seahawks have really put Geno Smith in a tough spot where he has not been able to maximize the guys around him. They haven't used tight ends near as much. I'm begging them to throw to tight ends in this game, but they just haven't they haven't been willing to scheme that up. And until they make some of those changes, it's hard to envision that they're going to be able to compete with a team like the Cowboys that is one of the best teams in the NFC. They haven't shown the consistency to do that. I will say there's one matchup in this game that will keep me up at night if I'm a Cowboy fan, and that's in the slot. The Cowboys defense is fantastic. I mean, all the way around, they just got stars and high-level players, and Deron Bland is a defensive MVP candidate. Micah Parsons is second in the odds on FanDuel right now, but it's the slot corner position that has given the Cowboys so many issues this year. Teams are just picking on Jordan Lewis who doesn't have the quickness that he had last year. He doesn't have a lot of size. And I'll be honest, Corbin, I, I, if the Seahawks want to be good in offense in this game, I think targeting Jackson Smith and Jigba a lot is probably their best path to success. Yep. I would agree with you on that. It, it, that is a matchup that I think the Seahawks absolutely can exploit. And also, if you're wanting to get the ball out of Geno Smith's hands quickly, which that seems to be the argument they're making this week is we're not getting the ball out of his hands quick enough. The slot is the way to go, especially with a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has that incredible acceleration and can cut in and out of his breaks on a dime. This should be the game. I'm still waiting for that breakout game. He's had some really solid performances the last four or five weeks, but I'm waiting for that first hundred yard performance because this kid is capable but it just seems like they get in the ball a few times and then they just go away from him and he just disappears for a few quarters. And I, again, think that goes back to scheming and play calling more than anything. But I would agree with you. I think him and, and the tight ends in the slot, Noah Fant is a real weapon and they just don't use it. So this could be a game where those guys playing inside, even the running backs getting involved in the passing game, it's going to take pressure off the offensive line, help you move the change, which they've been horrible at doing this year. So it's it sounds nice in theory, but until I see it on the field, I'm not, sure. not necessarily feeling optimistic about it. You mentioned the running backs just really quickly. Uh, Kenneth Walker has not practiced on Monday and Tuesday. It seems like he might be a long shot to play in this one. In your opinion, if Walker can't go, how big is the downgrade from Kenneth Walker to Zach Charbonnet? I don't think it's much of a downgrade at all. They're different style players, but Zach Charbonnet is a really good running back. There's a reason they can run. I would say the biggest difference between those two, you're not going to have the home run hitting ability to the same level that Ken Walker III has. He has as much juice as any running back in the league. But Zach Charbonnet, in my opinion, is a more disciplined runner, and he doesn't try to bounce everything the way that Ken Walker III does. He's more of a between-the-tackles runner. He breaks a lot of tackles. He can catch the football well. So they still have talent in the backfield, even without Ken Walker III, who, by the way, Pete Carroll basically ruled him out yesterday without ruling him out. Yeah. That He's not really seen anything from him that suggests he's further along than he was last week. So I'd be stunned if he plays in this game. All right, let's talk about some of our keys to victories for both the Seahawks and the Cowboys next. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Why root for your favorite team on an empty stomach Order on DoorDash and save on all of your football watch party favorites. Order pizza, wings, sodas, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. 
we know that you're going to be home on Thursday watching the game. If you're out in Dallas, check out 24-7 Tacos, one of my favorite spots. Corbin, do you have a favorite spot out in Seattle that you like to DoorDash from? Jet City Pizza, best gluten-free pizza in the Pacific Northwest. It's phenomenal, and uh, their owners know me by name. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but... I, th- I think that's a great thing. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. Again, that is 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOT23, subject to change, terms apply. We also want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets older, the uh, gets colder, not older. When the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. We're hot just like the Cowboys offense right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options available, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can bet on, I don't know, Dak Prescott to win the MVP, or maybe Deron Bland to be the Defensive Player of the Year. It's not bad odds right now. I believe it's 20-1 to on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this crossover edition of the Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Cowboys podcast. Every dayers, we will be back on our Friday shows, breaking down uh, this Thursday night game. But right now, we're going to do our keys to victory. Corbin, how do the Seahawks, or what do the Seahawks need to do to win this game? This is going to sound so elementary, but they need to find a way to get to 21st downs. They've got to find a way to sustain drives and keep Dak Prescott on the sideline. This offense, there's been so many games this year where Geno Smith has been spending most of the game on the sideline. The time of possession has been heavily skewed to the other team, and the defense has held up fairly well considering the circumstances. But it'd be nice to have one game where the Seahawks offense actually stepped up and played to their capabilities. They were able to get Jackson Smith and Jigba more involved, the tight ends more involved open things up for their star receivers, stick with the run game, and get to that 21st down plateau. This has been a team that when they get to that number, they have been much better this year. But a couple of the blowout losses that they've had, they haven't come close to that because they just haven't been able to sustain drives and their third down conversion rate has been so low. So from an offensive perspective, especially against this football team, this Cowboys team that can really rush the quarterback if you can find a way to have a little bit more balance, run the football and move the chains, try to wear down those guys up front a little bit, that drastically improves the chances of Seattle being able to go into AT&T Stadium, get a win at a very difficult place to win football games at. For the Cowboys, it's following the same game script that's got them to this point. They are, once they get a lead on teams and typically like a double digit lead, it's like an avalanche. Things happen so quickly. We, we've talked about this on the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. There's been like four times this year where a game has gone from like a 10-point game to a 30-point game in like seven plays. Like that's how fast things can kind of snowball for opponents, especially when they're playing in Dallas. If the Cowboys can get a lead, 
force Seattle to be a, a drop back passing team where Geno Smith is throwing the ball 40 to 45 times. That's how the Cowboys make their money. So I've been assume the Cowboys are going to try to start off the ball, go down and get points. They're going to use the passing game to try to set up the rushing attack later. Look for the Cowboys to be really aggressive. But the key to that is don't turn the ball over. Pete Carroll has made a living and he's made a career out of playing in really weird games and being able to keep things close to the fourth quarter where they can play the strangest and most odd games that you'll ever see. Don't allow the Seahawks to have that chance. Try to put them away early and force them to do things that they're probably, they probably don't want to do. I don't think the Seahawks want to be a team that throws the ball 50 times a game. I think they want to stay balanced. As you mentioned, don't let them do that. Yeah, you mentioned the turnovers. I think that is critical for Seattle. When you're a nine-point underdog, and I think that's justified. That seems just about right to me. In fact, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was double digits the way they have been playing against good football teams. That's been the story for the Seahawks this year. They can beat up on teams they're supposed to beat, but when they are playing the elite, they have not been able to rise to the occasion at all. This defense has to find a way to coax a turnover or two out of Dak Prescott. And he has been so much better in that regard this year. And again, I give the credit to Brian Schottenheimer. I think he has been an incredible influence on Dak Prescott. Russell Wilson cut his interceptions down when Schottenheimer was the OC in Seattle. So only six picks this year. They've got to find a way to get some pressure on Prescott and try to take advantage of the talent they have in the secondary. If they can turn that clock up a little bit, and force him to make some rush throws, maybe into traffic. They have the guys in the back end to to get some turnovers. But I think to win this game, I would actually put it at two turnovers. I think they've got to create two turnovers in this football game, and they have to win the turnover battle to have any shot to win on the road. I just think the Cowboys need to play a fairly clean game. It's the turnovers, right? Don't have tip-picked interceptions. Don't have big pass interference calls on defense that put Seattle in the red zone. If the Cowboys play their game, I would think eventually the talent would win out. But Thursday games are weird, like especially the ones when you're playing back-to-back Thursdays. We typically see these games are are very strange in the way they play out. So I I won't be surprised at all, Corbin. If this is a twenty to nineteen game going into the fourth quarter, and we get we get a typical Seattle Seahawks game uh, that comes down to the last minute or so. I will be surprised if it plays out that way. I, I, you know, I look at this game and normally I would, I would bet that the Seahawks are going to be able to cover, especially on a nine point spread. That's a huge spread. I'm not confident though. This team has not given any reason to show that you should be confident against a good football team. And I know the Cowboys have not beaten anybody with more than four wins. So maybe they're in the similar category, but the Ravens just wiped the table with the Seahawks. Same thing happened with the 49ers last week. The Seahawks had a chance to make that game interesting in the second half, and they they didn't take advantage of it. But still, they just have not been able to rise to the occasion. Now, they're 6-5. and five. Maybe this is a game where that light switch comes on and the urgency shows up. But I just think this Cowboys team is not a good matchup for the Seahawks, especially in the trenches. And so I think it's going to be hard for them to cover that. I don't know if it's a 37-3 drubbing like the Ravens did to the Seahawks, but – I could see this being a game that has some of that snowball effect that you were mentioning, just because this offense, until I actually see it play to its capabilities, it's hard for me to envision they're going to do it against this Cowboys defense on the road. I will say, here's the the national uh, storyline coming out of this game. If the Cowboys win, 
Hey, they still haven't beaten a team over 500 yet because of what the Seahawks would be six and six. Cowboys lose. Hey, the Cowboys can't beat good teams. Seattle, what are they? Would be seven, uh, five at that point, right? Anytime they play with national media, uh, that, it's just dumb. Cowboy fans are tired of the national media. Let's just, we'll say that much right now. Uh, all right. That is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Cowboys your first listen of the day. We are both free and available on all platforms. Go check out Locked On Seahawks on YouTube. Go check out Locked On Cowboys on YouTube as well. Go follow Corbin on threads at Corbin Smith NFL. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy the Thursday night football game, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.